All right, here we are with Persona Sleepaway Summer Camp, episode outro. I am Devin the referee, and to my left we had... Nicole? Tyler? Peter? Mark? And Kevin is still not here. It's the same night that the intro was recorded, but not that the other episodes were recorded. It's all out of order, listeners. So, uh, this is the outro, where we talk about the game you just listened to, and what we liked, what we didn't like, and what our thoughts were, like we do with all our other games. We just talk a lot to fill up 20 to 30 minutes to justify it being a weekly episode. <laughs> it's a freebie in my books. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, it's, it's a freebie. Fuck, not two or three of these out of night. It's great. So, yeah, we ran through uh, four sessions of Persona. Uh, and had like, you know, two that were really pretty big combat heavy based, uh, and two that were really social based, and we kind of got a shake of the system, and yeah, who wants to talk about things they liked or didn't like? Who wants to talk about mechanics or setting or events that happened? I liked being able to actually build the persona, like the individual parts and what it can do and stuff. It satisfies a very... Listen, listeners. I know it's not a very good system, but my first game was Bessem Second Revised. Ugh. I know it's terrible, but it really satisfies that urge of being able to like manage the different parts of your like uh, fighter thing, because it was a pet monster game we were playing. Uh, it really satisfies that urge, and this game does the same thing. It scratches that same itch where you can just like decide what little bits you want to have on it and everything. So for murder, I really like it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. It was nice to have, you know, an Arata built specifically for us for the <laughs> last, you know, couple sessions. That was nice, yeah. That I Thank you, guys. I think it's a really good concept. I know, I get where you're coming from, but this idea of designing your own, <laughs> your own, uh, to getting, designing your own persona and choosing your own abilities, I think that's pretty neat. But I absolutely hate this system. <laughs> I despise it. Like you couldn't see, you couldn't see it, but like there was a time in like the first combat we ran where I was just literally just shaking. Like oh, it was a nightmare. I was just like having like a seizure because I hated the system so much and the arguments that was. <laughs> now, admittedly, a lot of that was because it's the book is poorly organized and we're kind of not. We don't actually have a. We're all doing this electronically, so we're kind of thumb thumbing through like three different books and yeah, we're operating stuff like that. But the game strikes me as being. Needlessly complicated. I have a lot of problems with the randomization, the the way that you get the dice. I don't like the fact that it seems to me that once you lose a location, that uh, it's spiral time. It's it's the yeah. I honestly, I'm, I'm honestly a big fan. Believe it or not, especially in anime style like Japanese style games of the exact opposite. I like the reverse death spiral. Um, so. What, what does that look like? Just, just for the more you get, basically, the more you get injured and the more things go badly for you, the uh, you actually get bonuses. But then you actually have to start dealing with real risk. So, uh, I mean, as a really good example, there's not many systems that do this correctly, but one of the ones that I think really does well is uh, Tenra Bancho Zero. Oh my fucking Christ, Tenra Bancho! Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's but like, and I know that's that's not. A thing in Persona, but I mean, it just really felt like if you, even if you try to make characters really tough, um, if you get a whack to that location and you like you lose the you know that one location, then all your toughness doesn't matter if you get hit. There. Oh, yeah. Once the location and goes down, if you're you're get, you're right under their armor. The oh. one thing that really really drives me crazy about this system is that at the end of the day, the only reasonable way you're going to deal with an opponent 
is uh, to attack him. And there's no like MP to cast magic on him. You know that that just by the nature of RPGs, you're not gonna have a lot of junk jank fights where you're like you just carve through all the monsters by casting a single spell. That is just not the way the the game is designed. Well, like it, RPGs aren't designed that way. Well, it is, but it's not something that would be front and center because you don't have to do it in the tabletop version. No, exactly. Like, like, like that's something that happens in the video game and it makes you feel awesome because you dump twelve hours into it. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that's a really big part of the system. Because at the end of the day, it comes down to having a really, really strong attack. Or, you, you know, you get a couple buff, area buffs like we were doing in this one. Well, you guys took Buffy for a ride. Oh, in, in contrast, like, I absolutely loved the system. I thought it was great. Um, I liked the dice mechanic. Uh, I liked the way that it was very tactical. Um, but it also incorporated a strong element of chance to it. And I like the way the initiative played out and you know you declared and then acted in different orders and going ahead of someone was a big deal so you could roll your dice and you could get a very fast but weak attack or a really strong but slow attack and have to choose between which of those you would apply it was fun like mm -hmm. getting to make interesting choices in a combat is really really good as opposed to just, I hit it, I hit it again, I hit I it with my sword. I don't consider those choices, though. I don't think they were really very... They're like... Because what dice you choose... Like, the main... The only time I remember us having a discussion about which dice set to choose was one where we literally didn't know, like, how the rules worked. Yeah, we had that during the I, defense of the last combat, I think. No, yeah, was, when like we were doing one, multiple actions and one was an attack, one was a defend, and we were yeah. deciding how to allocate them. Yeah, that was like one time when we had really strategic thing to figure out and really test this out. So from my perspective, like the system has a bit of depth that you don't necessarily see instantly, like where you lay out your parts is important, like the order relative to each other. Like for example, I build a character that has strong defense. I put my two weak spots right next to it. So when I roll defense, I can move my attacks from those my weak spots into my tough spot and so on so there's a little bit of strategy going there for how you build things but there's also some things that are optimal to take like if you want to fight you take awesome because it gives you a lot bang for your buck being able to shift the die to make a combo better is stronger than like what, two dice well, you get specifically you put you put three dice so you get 15 dice in an attack yeah. You put something similar into a defense. Yeah. You put three hit locations to clarify for listeners. Yeah, uh, three hit locations. As a hit location number is worth there's, five dice. There's a really old system. This, this, this system has a problem that has been in RPGs for like 20 plus years. And I call it the Gundam, the Gundam problem. It's any location, any game where you have uh, multiple locations really encourages taking as few locations as possible. Yeah. yeah. And this one is no yeah. different. And the other one, the utility abilities, because the utility abilities can only be used in so, like, few situations, and most of the utility, I think the GM, like, GMs are just going to be encouraged to, like, you're not going to skip out the combat in Persona game. That is not a thing that's likely to happen more than once in an adventure. Like, it's like D&D, &D, right? Like, you're occasionally going to no, dodge I, a fight. The, the big shadow fights are, are one of the draws of the in-depth combat system. They have to be there. So most of the utility is not, which can only be used in the Shadow Realm anyway, it's not a shadow in the Shadow Realm anyway, 
is not going to come up all that often. And so at the end of the day, it comes down to hitting things really hard or throwing a buff. But that's where I'd like to see the useful maybe developed a bit yeah. and fleshed out. Because I believe one of the things they mentioned is that I think it was like charm or something could be used to stun someone. Yeah. Most of those Which, useful abilities in the Velvet book have combat and non-combat applications. They work both. Also, Which we, I mean, we say like, oh, you know, you build like one big attack and then you just hit him with the big attack and that's the best thing ever, but it's not. Especially if they've got like four or five people and one of them has a stun and that person throws a stun on the person with the big attack, then all of a sudden that's just shut down. Also, um, yeah, having good defense means you can survive those kinds of attacks long enough to get back on your feet too. Mm-hmm. So there's, there are strategies that can, I, I'm sorry to cut you off, Nicole. I just wanted to voice this because you two were both kind of yeah. pulling in either direction. There's a lot of potential for that stuff to work. Like, the depth is there, and it's actionable. I think it would have all run a lot smoother if it was more accessible to us and we were more familiar with it. Like, the, the Velvet book being three different books we had to read. Like, we had to go through the Velvet book, and then Monsters, and the expansion. That made every combat run much slower. But if the Velvet book was one book, like, if it was just the one book and they were finished, and it was in gold status, and it was bookmarked, bookmark your fucking PDFs, um, then it would have been easier for us to kind of get into that system and dive in. Oh, another one. Um, sorry. Let's have a call and yeah. we'll, we'll circle back. The thing where the useful abilities weren't useful very often is because of the type of game we were playing. Yeah. Um, the other Persona game that we're planning on playing, or may play, I don't know, uh, whole areas of the game that we'll be hanging out for for days on end kind of thing will be the Shadow Realm, so those useful abilities will come up a lot more often. In this one, we were only there for like a couple hours every night maybe, so it didn't come up as often. That's a good point. I want to make sure that we we separate the limitations that were in place because of how we were in a very short game, Mm -hmm. and the limitations of the game in general aren't aren't like, you know, tagging each other. We're not not blaming the wrong cause for the wrong thing. Exactly, and um, like my turning things into pigs thing didn't come up super often because I forgot about it, actually. (laughs) But when it came up, it was fantastic. I loved that. And you used your invisibility a lot, too. Oh, yeah. Every fight. Yeah, my character was pretty much always invisible. And Kevin, if you were paying attention, uh, was always putting mirrors around wherever he was. He's like, oh, I put a pocket mirror here. I put some glass here. Because he has the ability to teleport to where mirrors are. So he was putting down fast travel locations in the background in case we ever needed them. (laughs) I look quiet like he did that too. Just, yeah. oh yeah, just putting a mirror here. Yeah. So, those elements were there. You were saying though, Mark. Yeah, um, that was just a, that was, yeah, I, I think that the short, I will also agree that the short game, I was actually looking forward to more of the daily life stuff. <laughs> yeah. And getting to know all the NPCs that you, you know, lovingly created and... Oh, yeah. uh, the sort of the, it definitely much reminded me the whole realm reminded me very much of Twin Peaks. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was that was what I was going for there. And uh, I I would have liked to explore that more. I would like to have gotten one more point in social, in uh, social links, and um, I think definitely think the game would benefit from a small group and a long game yeah. and a long game. Yeah, power wise too with the combat system, we have to keep in mind that I started you guys off at end level. There are two ways to build personas, because um, your, your persona has 10 hit locations, and each hit location is worth a die. You need to build at least four hit locations, like four body parts to assign hit locations. So the head gets two, the arm gets two, the body gets two, that sort of thing, until 10 have been assigned. And if you're playing standard persona, each hit location is worth 
three dice. So if you put two and two, like, you know, your laser cannon arm, that means it's six dice that can either be six dice you roll, or, you know, you take some of those dice out and exchange them for extras, like gnarly for more damage, or awesome for different rerolls, or fast for it being quicker, leaving you with, like, five, four, or three dice to roll in the actual action. For this game, we started you off at the, the powerful end because we wanted this to be kind of a breath run. So each hit location was worth five dice. So Mega Buster guy, instead of having six dice in Mega Buster, has ten to play around. And that adds up quick if you put like three dice in a hit location, that's 15 dice, which is you can spend five on extras and have 10 leftover roll every time for your big whammy attack. Yep. Whereas a similar character would only have nine, which means even if he was very skimpy on extras, he still wouldn't get that the 10 dice that you guys were throwing around. I, uh, yeah, I, I would think, I, I think that the game could definitely use with some more, um, maneuvering of tactical options, but the actual, like, the idea of the, Persona and all that stuff I think is was and the Arcana those those were pretty solid yeah and even the club mechanics and this is kind of like if you ever play in a game we're gonna have to have the school subjects and getting your grades mm -hmm. out because exactly oh no we'll put all that into play it'll be it'll be good like the system I think will do a benefit from multi figured out for Chronicles of Darkness that the um, sessions to actually like if you start off individual like oh you have mm. a time slot for your character to do something by yourself and then you do that for like half of the session or third of the session and then everything else is a group activity i think that might be a good flow to have yeah because when we ran chronicles of darkness we were running creepy rational Marine buffet i was literally using the persona system where yeah. the first time slot of the session is you guys doing individual stuff to upgrade your backstories or whatever yeah. the second time slot with was you guys together the third time slot was all the vampires in the city hanging out yeah like that's just, yeah, that's exactly what I did, too. So, I think something like that for uh, the longer form Persona game would be good. And I definitely think starting you guys off at three dice, like three dice per body part, would be better because then you could get a chance to grow. And, like, fighting major shadows becomes super valuable because you can rip dice out of them to add to your character. And it also um, compels you to use your social links. Yep. To, to tap social, into those. Social links are give you direct mechanical oh. benefits in combat by uh, tapping them for their arcana dice. Yeah. Uh, I was going to mention too, one of the, the, there's a couple of things in that book that I hope they really do a good job of making um, defense a little more obvious in that, This is going to be the big one, yeah. And lets, one. and lets other people, another thing too is some other options be like, in Persona, you have the option of literally defending and it's sometimes actually a really good tactic. Um, and defending other people and like give, making that as a potential as, the, as potential options because it really doesn't seem like those are good moves and what is boost boost is so terrible yeah it's so amazing in the game let's talk about monster other childish things so monster other childish things was written in like 2002 2003 by our dream publishing and it hasn't really gotten any it, it, it it's a product of its time all right it is an outdated trad game that um is not clearly written the layout is all over the place um Okay, so you know what we're talking about the word gnarly, listeners? Gnarly is an ability you can give to your, your monster that gives him one more grievous attack, like grief, more damage on the body part he's using to attack with. But gnarly also exists as its own separate power that humans can get. They're named the same, they have slightly different applications, but everything in the game is like that. There's a spray ability specifically for monsters called spray, and there's a spray ability also called spray specifically for people, and they don't work the same. And, and it, it's across all of that. 
It's very confusing. It's very confusing. The layout is bad. The, the terminology, while cute, uh, should have just been like armor, more damage, okay. you know, area attack, and like area for humans and area for monsters works totally different. Yeah. So, and and the the biggest the biggest fucking offender is defending. I don't know how we defend in this game. I don't. <laughs> um, we've gone over it a bunch of times. We've read the Monsters book. We read the Velvet book. We went back and forth. I don't know how defending works because there's four different versions of defending. So as a human, you're assumed, yeah, as a human or a persona, you're assumed to be defending yourself in a fight, a jerk. So there's no specific action for it. But a human can roll their defense to say, I'm defending, and that becomes automatic gobble dice that just shuts down other attacks. It just shuts it down. And there's also dodging. So, like, defending lets you defend other people, dodging lets you dodge, but the rules are different for the monsters, and they rely on the body parts you're using, and the body parts interact in different ways, and they're shifting. Like, the defense rules are a sloppy fucking mess, and they immediately grind every combat to a halt. And, and then you also have groups attacks, which group combat was, like, not at all explained that well in the Monster Childhood things. Monster Childhood things was not written for group combat. It was not built for five people with a monster fighting each other. Like, it was built for Pokemon, a Pokemon ripoff bullshit, where yeah. you have one kid, you have one monster. You have one NPC, they have one monster. The two of you have a Pokemon battle, where it's one-on-one, -on -one, and then the winner rips a pit off the other monster and adds it to their character and gets a power. That's how the system was written. And the Velvet Book is assuming it's Persona, where you have five dudes with five Personas, and they're all doing something interesting. And the numbers and the scale and the, the, the turn economy are not built for that. No, but that's the, yeah. the, the the draft of the Velvet Book we got addressed that though. Like it, it did. Like it has rules for that. It talks about it in there. That's that's another thing too. Like in uh, I mean, it's really clear that these rules. Uh, there's there's a few other things too. I I was considering taking one ability when I saw it, and then I realized no, nah, I didn't have it before, and also it was bullshit. And literally, it would have made the game kind of silly. Like the power my character has liaison is the target number, a number of like sets I need for it is the brain part. The yep. number of dice and whatever brain parts. Dice in the brain pool. You have to assign one of your body parts as the brain location, listeners. If the brain location gets knocked offline, the monster goes offline. And it's not always clear which one that is. At least it isn't for. No, the... you have to kind of investigate with your dice rolls and take actions during the fight to figure it out. But the um, there's another one too, the instant death effect. And I think you need seven successes for to get someone who's strong in an element against it. So like that is the worst case scenario. Which means it's significantly easier, usually, to auto-kill someone yeah. with a useful ability than it is to stop the fight for a few seconds. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, it can affect Major Shadows. That's one of the yeah, caveats that's the power, only... which Major Shadows are kind of the big boss monsters you want to write up every few sessions to make the players fight, because they're fun. They're a tactical fight. But uh, normal shadows, you can just rip through them with that. And it's kind of intended, but it does kind of make the social powers. Like, I like that the useful abilities were clearly defined. The, the, the liaison and, and charismine monsters had an in-game and had, had an in-combat and out-of-combat application, which had clear rules. It was not the GM has to add hockey. They did not do that. They made it very clear, which is good. It's something we could reference in the goddamn um, fight. If anyone ever decides to run this again, I'm going to strongly recommend that uh, for any of the major shadows, you massively make them really powerful and you basically kind of put on the giant kind of clue get a clue button for your players and you put in the um environment reactions like i don't know if um you were like the game they mentioned the book of blimps i don't know if you, you did it but one of the things about the new game they set up was that like 
in the really big crazy fights they have, uh -huh. um, you can't win those fights in Persona 5 okay. by just constantly attacking. A point will come up where the enemy will use ultimate magical bullshit power. Uh -huh. And a character in the in the in your party will suggest, oh, one of us can go and do the thing that will stop this from happening. Like, you know. Uh, if we steal the enemy MacGuffin, then he won't be able to use his magical bullshit powers. Yeah, you gotta make it more puzzly. So you, yeah, you gotta make it more puzzly, and you gotta try and try and and really encourage players to use their um, the non persona powers in order to get by that. And I think that would make it a bit better. But it's, yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. You want to make major shadows a puzzle. You want to make them engaging. We didn't do a of that just because we were doing we know the rules. Well, we were doing yeah we we're doing mechanics testing so i didn't get a chance to really build those kind of scenescapes but that's what you should be doing but i mean it was it was good in the last fight where we had like the shield where you needed to have your set be a height yeah but like all, a certain all, height all to that over. all that essentially means is is if you rolled half of your dice their attacks just miss like no that not, not if you're rolling using like awesome or dice fixing Mm. Okay, so like, that still means that about, that the low numbers are even less useful. It's still basically a like a, a you must your dice must be this high to enter. It's all that's all right. essential, which is what it does, which which forces yeah. you to maybe use I mean, a less optimal to... attack. Oh, and there's it makes the best to... ability in the game better too. It, it also that shield can have been turned off by a player action. If you did an outthink, you could have figured out how to turn it off, which forces someone in the party to go out on a limb and be like, I gotta take out this shield, so we so but our dice don't get. Caught. If you roll outthinking that game. You're, you're using a human power, which yeah. means that you are basically setting yourself to be like take like ten scars, which basically so maybe you rely on another player to defend you with their persona, yeah. which encourages some aspect of but teamwork. Then we have to look at how the defense rules work. But if those, but we're we're, we're working in a world here where those have been refined and clearly written. Yeah, I I agree with both of you with what you're talking about, but I, I think there's a lot more give we could give the system if it were if it had a chance to lay itself out properly. Because it's not laid out properly. Let's let's be honest here, right? Yeah. There's parts of it that are obfuscated behind just bad layout and bad writing. Plus, even while we were playing the game, we found some like powers that had to be errated out, like uh, my initial build for oh the, fuck the sharing sharing. Gotcha. Oh yeah. I was like, you take your two locations, they're like attack, defend, max them out, and out sharing them, which is the one die less. That means you, as a person, can hit like a brick and defend, you know, like a turtle for any attack because it doesn't matter which location you get hit at. You can still share your defense on it, so you're better than your persona at fighting. Yeah. My uh, my human character could also turn invisible and always tell if people are lying and fly. Yeah, <laughs> monsters and other childish things had a power called sharing, where the the creepy eldritch monster and the kid could like merge in certain areas and stuff. The Velvet Book cut that in the, the new edition we got in the middle of the game, so... So fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> fuck sharing. Yeah. <sighs> well, yeah, there's... Like, the thing about rolling the dice and so on... Like, yeah, rolling sets... Yeah, the more dice you have, the better you are. But still, the height is pretty much random. Like, linear, 1 to 10, you can't really control that all that much. Like, but I, I, I like that element of unreliability because, like I said, it, it differentiated from a system where you have like plus eight to strength and you know a d12 
for your battle axe, and you're just rolling that again and again. And yeah, again. let's talk about the D&D problem. Okay? The D&D problem, we've all known about it for 40 years. It's, you build a character, and you have two numbers you roll. No, you have, you, there are two numbers that matter. There's the hit, and the D20 to modify the hit. So, at the higher levels, the, the, the D20 stops mattering. At about the time where you're rolling plus 10, plus 15... Uh, reliably, the actual D20 is not important because odds are you're going to hit unless you roll a 1 anyway. So the, the randomization isn't really existing anymore and nothing in the game scales to match that. That was kind of the, the, the win with Persona where you could be super effective but you being super effective didn't obviate the need for chance because being super effective in Persona meant that you stacked your roll with better modifiers like better things like Wicked Fast or Defense or Attacks or Gnarly or it means that because you have so many dice, you can build multiple sets and therefore have multiple options of what you're doing. And with a, a smaller dice pool for your character, I think that, that those decisions become far more pronounced. Whereas like for us, we were all rolling nine, nine or ten dice pretty Reliable. much every time. Yeah. And that's starting you guys at five dice just because we wanted to see what the meats of the system was. I, I really see this being a lot more tactical at the three dice per, uh, per hit location. I, mean, I see it living there pretty then well. Then you'd say, roll two dice, one of them being awesome too, so you always get a set, and then you just stack up the modifiers. If you can afford it, yeah, but that's really pricey at three dice. The difference between your persona and the persona that the game tells you to start with, the, the, the three die to the five hit die, are 20 entire dice gone. Yeah. You got a budget at that point, and then that makes different... Your hit locations are more vulnerable, you don't have as much to just drop on Awesome 2 every single time. Awesome 2 is an entire hit location, almost. Yeah. So, you know, if you're building your three hit location boomer, it's going to be seven dice-ish. And that's without, you know, just have Awesome 2. And you got to add other things to it to make it even effective. Yeah. I, I still think, I mean, Awesome is pretty hard to... Yeah, it's also good. It's... The book calls out Awesome is really good to the point where when we give like formal feedback and like I'm sure the developer listened all the way through, um, Awesome either has to go or it has to be changed in a little way because it was built for monsters and other childish things and that game was a little more... Um, you didn't have five PCs constantly throwing Awesome every single time to always manipulate the, the range. I One... One thing you may want to look into also is, uh, since you're already going off the, the main track with these things, this system reminds me of another another game, slightly in that it uses match sets. Um, oh, please don't say Cthulhu Attack. No, Weapons of the... <laughs> weapon, weapons of Ulin? Weapons of Ulin, or Weapons of the Gods, or whatever. Or uh, the way, you know, the way of Ulin. Um, but the one of the things they have this was a concept called the River, which allowed you to occasionally float dice that, that weren't used. Uh, which meant that if you rolled a bunch of dice and you couldn't use them, there was other potential uses for them, either for defense or for, uh, uh, or you could potentially hold them between rounds. But just more interesting ways of actually affecting the dice other than the ability that everyone takes. Uh, yeah, maybe some of it to reroll some of the dice or something like that. Play a bit more with them, I guess. Yeah. Diversify what Awesome does, and if Awesome is going to stick around, maybe up the cost by one. If Awesome cost three dice, like, don't have an Awesome one. Awesome one was you set a die beforehand. Get, get fucking rid of that. No. No one Because there's a rule for this. It's called aiming. If you take your time to aim and line up a shot, you get to pick a die ahead of time and set it to something. 
let that rule exist because that rule actually stops working if awesome works. Even says an awesome. If you're doing awesome, you can't aim anymore. So okay, that's a problem. That means a base thing everyone can do gets cut out by how good awesome is. So don't even have level one awesome. Make awesome worth three dice. One entire uh, hit location for a starting persona, which will make it valuable for that hit location. It makes it stand out. And then let the, the set beforehand thing aiming come into play. And then build other things that are cheaper at one die to, to do stuff with the pool to make it a little more effective. Yeah. And what, you, what do you think for that, Tyler? No, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Awesome. For, for two points, awesome two is... Awesome is too good. Every too NPC good. I built had. Yeah. Yeah. It's literally too good because we all have to take it. I mean, yeah, you take awesome because that just ups your ability to do anything. Yeah, yeah. It, quickly, add, it quickly just becomes a tax. And then you add Wicked Fast, so you're defensive, uh, so you can defend at all. Because like, if you deliver all yeah. wide enough... And it's like, hey, I rolled a 10, and I'm going to use Awesome to make it two 10s, and I put Wicked Fast 5 on, so I'm going to go first and hit with two 10s and hit your 10 location, mm. which is usually your brain, and it's gone. Or yeah, even if you have Awesome and you know, Wicked Fast, you can you know, snipe them at the location that either they're attacking you from, they're weak or something like that, and now, just hit that. If you do that to Awesome, it cannot be part of the uh, Arcana boost. So the, the, the Tarot Arcana in Persona, like from the social links, they give you dice when you invoke them, or they give you more of a specific uh, dice trick. Yeah. Like someone who's from, I don't know, the Lovers. Like it's not this, but this is an example. If you have a social link with the Lovers, you can trade Lovers' uh, social link. You can gamble them in your roll to add to your dice roll. So if you have three dice and you have a, a five-point uh, relationship with a Lovers, you can add those five dice into your roll for eight dice. Or you can convert all five into like gnarly dice. And just be like, yeah, this attacks gnarly five now. If you fix awesome, awesome cannot be part of any of those social links. Yep. You cannot include it um, because that quickly makes one social link optimal. Yep. Uh, awesome has to be either excised from the game or made not super accessible in the way it is because it, it really fucks with the dice probability. Like, Monsters and Other Childish Things and Wild Talents have a chart that shows you exactly how the dice probability and matching sets works, and also fucks it. <laughs> like, why even be rolling dice if you have Awesome? Like, in a small way, it asks that question. It's like in D&D where if, um, because D&D has such bad balancing to it, if you don't include critical 1 is a failure, critical 20 is success on the attack roll, at higher levels you may as well not even roll the d20 anymore. Because there is no chance, there is no probability anymore. Because the numbers get so bloated because of how the d20's engine yeah. hasn't been balanced. There also needs to be some clarification on how buffing works. Yeah. Buffing yeah. and... Which I'm yeah. sure if you've listened to all of the episodes by now is... is I have gnarly 15, thanks to all the awesome buffs, yeah. guys. Well, I mean, the other thing do too they is stack? Like, um, does area affect everyone, enemy and ally? Do you have to take a special perk for it to only affect your allies? Does area really make buffs affect everyone in the radius? Because the buff was a powerful, useful ability, and now that you've added area, now you're multiplying that by like five or six per friendly ally there is. Like, and if they don't stack, like nothing too is like, you're basically going to be putting... You're, if you're going to be a buff bot, you're going to be... You basically have to... The problem with all the abilities cost the same amount, which is weird. I, like, the ability like to get an, a, an attack is the same, uh, which is, like, universally useful, is the same as it is to put one into, like, the ability to pull things from your coat. Right, but which remember, is they have really the combat weird. out of combat, whereas the, the attack thing doesn't. 
Useful mm -hmm. abilities are useful. They can do stuff outside of combat. Attack and defend cannot. Attack and defend don't do anything special. But even like even the, the, the non one, like like if I have a power that boosts people's attack, how do I use that outside of combat? There's a, there, it gives you rules for it in the Velvet Book. It says what it does outside of combat. No, they, they never really seem to come up that often. <laughs> Not so. in the four sessions we ran, no, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And and if I'm just saying, like, if you're putting ten points into that, or you're gonna make that a major component, and it does stack, it seems really, really powerful to area. But if it doesn't stack, it seems I don't know why everyone would just take a really powerful attack in the At least one fucking character. Two characters need to be have a body part devoted to buffing so they can buff all the other three combat characters and themselves. Yeah. So buffing, come up with multiple participants, multi-actions, all those stuff needs to be figured out and made explicit. The defending. So, oh my god. Defending has to defending, be the most yeah. crystal clear thing in the world. You have to give examples, you have to tell us how it's used, and do not make them different rules for, for the player and the monsters. Yeah. And the, in, in defense of the people who wrote this, though, the, oh. when, we, when we got the errata, that was a huge step forward. Definitely. Clarification. So it just needs to be more more like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, they're on their way. Like they, They've already taken the feedback we've given them for the most part and are applying it. It's just a matter of time. But I think these are the, the big, bold points, because it's a well-put-together module. Like, the, the the thing that holds the Velvet Book back the most is the Monsters and Other Childish Things yeah. part. Um, the Velvet Book's written really clear, like, how advancement works, how the Arcana works, how the school system works, uh, advancement, like, it, it's all so, laid out. Something we also haven't mentioned yet, the resists and weaknesses and so on. Like, the whole rule, like, if I hit you with stuff you're weak to, then it's oh, here like, we go. Sorry, I'm just going to cut you right off right there. So you had uh, Terukaja, the, 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 the gnarly buffer. Yeah. yeah. Combat. It adds gnarly times two to one of the personal attack qualities for width minus one rounds. Non-combat. Terukaja weaponizes stuff. An object influenced by this quality is immediately capable of inflicting physical harm, even if it was literally a wet noodle. A width of two to three lets it inflict width minus one shock. At four times width, it becomes a scarry weapon. So, out of combat, it lets you pick up, like, a stick or a rock and be like, give it to a guy, and they huck it, and it starts doing scarring damage to things like trucks or doors. That's what the combat one does. <laughs> uh, the, the one that gives you wicked fast makes things greasy fast. Uh, making motorcycles, bowling balls, people uh, get their speed cranked up so they can just slide away super quick. Okay, that's a little more more directly useful. Maybe. The tough one makes things uh, impossibly durable. So if you you guys barricade yourselves in with a door and you use the tough the one that gives you toughness on it, it becomes hard as steel and stuff. It can't be broken down. They all have non-combat uh, effects. Yeah, hopefully they'll they'll make them better so they can use some of them in areas out of the shadow. I, I think too. if I had uh, using things in or out of the shadow is is up to the group because sometimes yeah. you can, sometimes you can't. So. I think if our game was a little more, if this was like a longer full game, uh, you'd be using these all the time. Like, if you have the tough one, you'd be using it to like barricade yourselves if I had a monster chasing. Because I definitely have monsters chasing. You'd be like, oh no, it's a slasher flick. It's a fucking camp crystal lake. Turn around and arrest him. Turn around and fucking arrest him. <laughs> fucking Christ. Or the weaponizing stuff, where it's like, hey guys, we're going to attack shadows. One moment. Everyone, take these baseball bats that do scarring damage. Or when Kevin needed to uh, break into that facility. And he couldn't find any appropriate tools or yeah. whatever. He could just pick up a pile of documents, use that spell. And now he's hacking its way through the lock. Yeah. Like a fucking fire axe. I'm going to use this to hack the computer. So yeah, this stuff, 
like every, it starts at page like 46 called the useful gallery every single thing is a combat and non-combat uh, stuff they wrote up and it's clearly defined mechanics it's not waffly or gm caveat you were saying peter so resist and weaknesses and so on see that when we figure out oh that we hit something that's with an attack that it's weak to Suddenly, there's a whole different mini game that starts. Like there's a mini game. That's that's totally a nod to uh, yeah. yeah. That, that's, yeah, that's persona. There's a mini game involved when you hit someone's weaknesses. If you if some, if you have lightning and they're weak to lightning and you hit them with lightning, ah, oh, shit starts going down. And preemptively, I'm going to say you think it's too complicated, right? Because it's its own subsystem. Yeah. I kind of agree, but I think I don't want to comment on it because we didn't get enough chances with it. Yeah. I think if we knew it off by heart, like if this was the game we sat down to run once a week for like two, three months, and like we were playing it weekly for like six hours, you know, we would know this shit. You'd be like, I, now I'm going to hit his weak point, and then we're going to get an all-in attack, and we're going to fucking sweep him. I'll just say this, and that's, I think that um, the the whole weakness thing might be a little bit uh, for for crazy with the knockdowns in terms of making the fight easy. Like one of the things about Persona is the reason they put this in the game it's is to make the, easier, right? Yeah, exactly. It's when you you know how the enemies work, and when you know what like a, a certain combination, you just go, okay, this is the enemy, the regular and fiftieth time I fought these guys, I'm gonna mass lightning, knock them all down, one more, shoot the one out of the air, and then I'm gonna turn on my. Uh, all that attack. Yeah, I remember that from Persona 4, where it's like, okay, it's these guys that are balls. I use Zeo on them. They all get knocked out. It's, now it's we deep. sweep it. The fight took no hit points, basically no mana. It was over three seconds. I got a bunch of stuff from it. I don't think we need it. You really need it in the RPG. I know you're trying to emulate the video game, but like, yeah, the purpose I, there is to grind any resources. I think it's such a corner case, though, that it will rarely come up because you have to knock down every enemy to use it. And it you can't just knock down shadows. one enemy and use all out attack on him. Yeah, you have exactly. to knock down everyone, get all yeah. of them. And that's and, and it's real and you're, you're gonna be facing different enemies as well. But the reason I mention that is because I don't think you really need it that much. And there's also a skill called in the game called under diligence for some reason called beatdown. I think that should probably go. Um I like No, oh, beatdown's for being physically strong. You have but you like you have a PE P stat, you have a fight oh, stat. Yeah. No, no, PE is beatdown, I'm almost certain. Nope. They're no, separate. there's separate P's skills. And but then PE is like running, jumping, climbing. Beatdown is attacking something that can't Yeah, but there's also wind that's, you know, hey, if P is for running, then what's wind for also like, running? Yeah. Okay, beatdown is kicking down doors, breaking crates, uh, and just being like a physical violence guy. PE is for being athletic, and wind is for being in shape so you're not winded, because gutsy is all about your stamina. So wind is like, if you're in the middle of a fight and you're jumping from train top to train top, it's like, okay, you're going to have to make a wind check or you're going to start getting exhausted and might fall between the trains. It's really weird that Diligent is the one like skill that has like, or one ability. First off, Beatdown just doesn't have that many applications outside of the all-out attack. And well, no, does beating down doors. Beating down doors. Oh, and people are going to say, why can't, I, why can't my martial artist use fighting? Because fighting is different from beating down a door. Martial artists don't karate chop a door. Martial artists go, shit, I better get a crowbar or the key. They're not yeah. idiots. It's important. And there's like, and if the, if the guy's on the ground, because no martial art teaches how to attack people who are, who are mobile or to go after them after they're not fighting back. Um, Good to them. Yeah, right. Uh, 
it just seems like a really weird edge case. And the other thing too is the only skill in the game that where it doesn't add your stat to it for some reason. What? Does it? The beatdown rule was strictly the number of dice in the party minimum eleven, which also led to the really weird situation that oh, look, if one mean, if I had had a beatdown oh, five and we would have been in that situation where we did a beatdown. No, no, it does that. You do that. You're still okay. just beatdown. You're talking about no. You said it was skill. There's a skill beatdown, and there's the beatdown beat action. That's no, I know. Different. I, I know, but I'm just saying the the all out attack, like the way it works in the game, is uh, this is the what what was described to me and how I remember yeah, it. Yeah, you from, just add your beatdown dice. It's just your beatdown dice, oh, which is really funny because yeah. if one person had five in beatdown in this party, as an example, it wouldn't have affected the dice pool. I mean, no. Oh, yeah, everyone starts with two die, and then you add beatdown. Yeah. Uh, with the minimum 11, I think I think it is. Yeah, if it's less than 11, then it, it just becomes 11. 11. Like, if it goes more than 11, you have to roll. So either everybody switch less than beatdown, so you do this, or... It's, it's no, a, I, I, I'll concede to that. That seems a little odd. Maybe the yeah. rule should be changed. <laughs> maybe maybe that should be revisited a bit. Maybe that... Uh, hey, it's 11 plus your beatdowns. Because, so. yeah, I'll agree. The way it is now, you either focus on beatdown and all that attacks... Which I mean, is pretty edge. If we yeah. run a Persona game with two players, they would only, let's say they have beatdown three on average, that's ten dice. Yeah. So they never the get it. Come up, but yeah. if we ran it with like six players and they all put like at least two in beatdown, that's four, eight, twelve, sixteen, twenty, twenty-six. <laughs> is that it? Is that math? Is that math? <laughs> is that math? Did I do that right? I'm an adult. So that's twenty-one dice right there, even if they didn't specialize a lot. It seems to yeah, you gotta do something else with beatdown to, to... However you want to do that big dice you roll thing, you gotta figure something out. Because the whole point is rolling a pool where everyone gets to use a set to, to go one after another, interrupting the flow of combat. I think boot... I know, I think I mentioned the boost too is another one that needs to be... The hard cap on 10 for boost. That's the one situation. Because I think literally where you spend a round doing nothing, I think should be a time where uh, you should be able to... What the fuck is boost? I've never heard of this before. Uh, it's a power that uh, doubles the effectiveness of your next attack in the cost of you doing nothing for an entire round, including defending. I believe. Jeez. Is it like just like a like a power in the book? Uh, it's in it's in the Persona I'm Persona one, and it's used out. in yeah, and it's used in in the Persona rule in the Persona video games a lot. Um, is it in the, the Velvet book? I, I believe don't see it. it is. It is in there. It's called boost attack or something like that, or boost like, and basically you spend around. Uh, and then I asked you one time if it was if if if, it, if the max ten die, die pool applies to it, but basically you're spending an entire round charging up. Right, let me Google I don't that. see it. Charging yeah, I don't attack. I've never heard this before. <laughs> attack. Uh, Arcane boosts, uh, freeform boosts, Jack Frost, magnify power. Do you mean magnify power? Maybe I, I it, it generally was referred to as a boost in the Persona game, so maybe I'm a Persona can only just a bonus a specific kind of action. Uh, that might be it because it's like usually called attack boost, psychic boost. Magic okay, boost. here we go. Um, magnify power accumulates with and bonus type for specific action. Um, I'm not reading all of this. Well, maybe we'll look into it later, but that was, yeah, know, this was the like question we asked about it. It seems like a thing. <laughs> but um, with a hard cap of 10, it's not something I could ever see anyone. I mean, action economy is a thing. Yeah. And, like, even multi-attacking kind of really hinders your action economy, so... Uh, I don't know how to, I, I don't, I don't know what to do for that. I almost feel like... Uh, I think maybe... 
Can if magnify power can take your dice pool over ten, I see it being worth it. Yeah. Okay. I but, I think um, on a different note, what would make these useful qualities a lot more useful is if there wasn't a penalty for multi-attacking, like multi-action. Like, like instead of saying it's minus two dice and you use your lowest dice pool, so if you have a ten and an eight, then you have to roll six. Just say, ah, eh, you take as many actions as you rolled in your dice pool. Just you can't you can't attack twice in a row though. Without Unless the, you have the specific bullshit trick. Thing. Yeah, you have a specific trick for it, but like, like no penalty. It's just you know you roll your body part right, and you get like two sets in it to be like. All right, one set's the attack, and the other set's going to be using the useful quality built into this power. Because you're already splitting your dice pools. You so. could even say, like, like, oh, this has got to be, yeah, they all have to be different attacks, or it would also Just say you can well, only... How many dice do you roll, then? One unique... Same dice. You don't, No penalty. No minus two, no so, lowest pool. But then... You just what, roll your pool. His point is, like, I think is that, what if you have one thing at ten, and one thing at... Uh, the two. Yeah, I'm almost kind of at the point where it should be you just roll a number of dice based on your persona's level or something. Just just roll the, the highest dice. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, sure, you'll get like a lot of, I don't know, I guess you'll get a lot of powers that are one die that have nine effects on them. Yeah. I don't know, but like penalize me for multi-actions. Just say you can only do, you, you can only do like one unique thing per action. Like you can't double up on, triple up on attacks. It has to be attack, useful quality, defense, something. Maybe we'll revisit. That, that's my suggestion. Revisit multi-actions, because penalizing for multi-actions means it's almost never worth it to use useful qualities and attack or and defend. I mean, pretty much, at our level that we're playing at, you'd be defaulting to, we're doing multi-action, and we have our something and defense on the same level, so we're pretty much staying within the band, because when you're doing something, you're exposing yourself to an attack, so you defend, so you don't die, so... Eh. I don't know. Yeah. I, my suggestion, and I don't know how viable it is, revisit the penalty and the balancing for multi-attacks. For multi-actions. Maybe just let it happen if you have multiple sets. Right? Like, do you see, like, a huge problem with that? Where it's just like, oh, hey, I rolled three sets, you know? Well, I'll I think just... one thing is just that if you don't spend in your action defending... And having to look up the rules for whatever type of defending you're doing, but that's another. The defending rules would be clear. Um, then you're totally open. So you're always, almost always, unless you've built a character based around toughness, which is like half your dice if you're covering those two parts. Um, you're going to be trying to defend. Yeah. Or you have an invisibility trick. Or something. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of things here. There's a lot to unpack. Um. I don't know, I, I think mechanically that's, that's... Does anyone else have anything to comment on the mechanics? No. Mm. I think we've covered everything when it comes to mechanics. We've ranted about that for... Well, <laughs> I've ranted about that. Uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I think it. it's a good system. It just uh, it just needs that final... Those those kind of final drafts to come in. Uh, I think it's a good... good uh, The person who likes that clearly loves Persona. I don't know how much I would keep out of the original system. That is to say, actually, you know, almost nothing. <laughs> Well, see, there's a lot here that, that, that we were using that, that worked fine. We just didn't get the opportunity to. Like, you not knowing that there were non-combat applications for your buffs, even though there were, like... Yeah. It never really came up, yeah. Well, it didn't come up because we ran a short game, so you can't hold that against the system. I think there's more credit here that's due. That's all. Um, 
As for the actual game, you guys like the NPCs, situations, the surrealness of it. Yeah, yeah. I, like uh, like Mark said, it would have been cool to get more time with the NPCs. Yeah. I guess with the actual game, maybe something with the NPCs a bit too early, because I think we should have established ourselves first and get some problems so we can go to NPCs and do some interaction. Like the yeah. first is like, oh, hey, you person for this town that I just arrived at. It's not how people play Persona. Yeah. They play Persona, they see someone that has a unique character sprite, and they fucking beeline for them. I mean, that's, that's what they called on, it with, you that's know, not Mortimer. My, yeah, that's He's a fucking vampire! <laughs> you can't go around a small town Tell dressed me more about that. full ass like a vampire and expect people not to be like, what that's the That's a fuck? genre convention you might not have been aware of, Peter, but no. Yeah. You, you don't wait for me <coughs> to give you NPCs. You're like, what does he look like? Does he look fucking weird? A weird fucking guy? All right. I'm gonna focus in on him and get a vent scene. I think I think that's another thing too about the game, and I think this is gonna be a, a, a big issue. Is if you want to do this sort of thing, I think it would really um, behoove you to just as a uh, recommendation to other people have a smaller uh, game a and group. a smaller group, mm -hmm. and let like have like a couple NPCs that everyone kind of befriends as members of the group, like the person who like are gonna actually help you in your shadow quest. And then have actual friends for the players that go up to like 10 that people can actually have relationships with. And I would never try and run this with more than four players. That's a big myself. thing too, because a lot of Persona is the social interaction and the events. So yeah. it's a little tricky to do one scene with one player when... Because the, the social links are mechanically valuable. Yeah. You need them and you want them. So uh, I would almost recommend, because... I'm going to go the opposite direction. I would recommend you build the, the social link NPCs and like the ones that aren't story related because there's ones that, you know, they get kidnapped away into a dungeon or whatever and they're story related. The ones that aren't, the ones that are kind of like the, the, the ensemble cast, just farm them out to the other players. Like every player gets like three or four uh, social link characters. That's them. For, for yeah, that's, yeah, that's so, fine. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, yeah, it should have been. It's. I think you have to keep in mind that it's... I mean, I guess it... In our setting, where everything needs to be recorded, yeah, then you will do it in a smaller group because there's only one microphone and you can't yeah, help you. That's true. If you this have larger, a problem just for us. Yeah, if you have a larger assembly, you can break thing, people up in the group so they can have some interactions and so on. Just report back and figure out where you're all. Yeah, at. if that's something you can manage and figure out. But yeah, I guess if you're just starting with this sort of things, yeah, smaller group probably better. And yeah, people have to be on board with the whole social. Like, oh, like I suck at social, so for me it's like, eh. Yeah, if, if you are a loner and like you either need to come up with an NPC, like a good example, if I had a really nerdy, antisocial, uh, autistic character, you know, style kind of deal, uh, you know, I would focus in on one, one character who might be easier to relate to, like Skynet. You know what I mean? Like that's sort yeah. of a tailor-made kind of, eh. Or a character who can, who's not going to, uh, who, you know, can maybe the character can be sympathetic. Uh, I don't know. It's getting late. It's a tricky thing. It's a tricky thing to balance out because you got to balance out the social interactions, but it can't always be four people hanging out with one guy. Yeah. I also think that uh, for recommendations for other people that want to play this, the GM also has to be proactive with the NPCs. Like, we can go look. Like, the, the first day was only really awkward because we went up to them, but then we didn't actually know who they were, so we're just kind of like, I don't know how to start the conversation. Hello, random stranger. 
talk to me about your problems. Yeah. But the NPCs, if they were more proactive, they're like, oh, hey, you're the fortune telling club? What the fuck's that about? Or like, you go talk to them and they have like, they tell you what their problems are or whatever. If, if I was going to run a game of Persona, I would probably lock the players in like a room, like Danganronpa style, you know, like minus the murders. <laughs> um, you know, but like just these are the 20 people you have the potential to talk with. And that is it. Literally force the players to to uh, to chat with a small group of people and figure out who they actually feel like associating with. Also, well, I guess it's on purpose because it's Persona. Um, but because the arcana that the NPCs have gives you special yeah. things you can use. Yeah. So, like people were being like, "I'm gonna hang out with this person because of the arcana boost." And that seems like it's a Persona thing, but it goes against the grain of how I usually would play. Like, my character was basically only associating with um, Trinity, the leader of our group, because like, she's like, you you're my, you're my best only. friend! You don't know it yet, but we're going to be best friends. Well, I mean, I think that's a choice that you make. I mean, I largely ignored it and just went with the cook because I thought that was the most interesting, regardless of the mechanical benefit. Yeah, but like um, you were talking to the, well, you were hanging out with the car, not talking yeah. to it because uh, it was the strength. I was hanging out because it was cool. Like, oh. oh, that's an interesting character. I, I, I did not even look at, I looked at the, I didn't look, I have no idea what the persona bonuses were. Oh, okay. I was looking at the actual sheets with the NPC listings and I tried for one character, but I kind of got, felt like I got a little blocked there. So I went in a different different direction for... I, I do see your point, though, about how people could just gravitate towards specific mechanical things. Yeah, I think Kevin might have mentioned it at one point. I knew someone fucking mentioned it. But, um, yeah, it, it's difficult to balance that, too, because you want the Arcana boosts, but... I think also there's, there's like, certain Arcana boosts have, like... There's, like, three or four Arcana that have essentially the same bonus, isn't there? Like, yeah, so you yeah. can balance things out. I mean, there's less than that. Oh, do you want to hang out with your rich friend that might give you something? Or do you want to hang out with your buddy that, you know, is a loser? And so on and so on. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, definitely a viable argument, I guess. Hmm. Especially, like, in the you know, lower power games where, hey, we're so weak, we need to, you know, have this quality to, you know, survive this combat. Hmm, I guess I'll have to, you know, hang out with Satan, because, mm -hmm. you know, he'll help me in combat. He'll give me my powers. Hey, Satan. Oh, yeah, it has a buy-in of itself in the social system. Like, oh, either you're on board for that, or maybe the different game would be better. You gotta find the right mix for your group and your play experience. Like us with podcast and unbe being unable to kind of break off into sub scenes, that definitely hampers that. So you gotta kind of find the best fit. Yep. Um, any thoughts beyond that, or are we good to wrap? I think we're. Anyone else? Uh, I think we're good. My takeaway was it was positive. Like there's there's a bunch there. I like the depth of the combat. I like the, the, the tactics. I like how like calling off your actions and, and organizing how your turns are going to go actually mattered. Um, and I like how there, there's that potential there for all the different moves to kind of click into play. Like when we really started to like coordinate your moves and your actions and your turns and stuff, it, it started to sing really well. Hmm. Yeah, like, like when this gets like a, a more, you know, a closer to done version, I'm 
But I'd probably want to come back to this for another game. Yeah. For sure. Uh, I'm not necessarily feeling this game personally, but that's just me, I guess. Yeah, it's not for everyone. That's fine. I really like the roleplay aspects. Um, I would be willing to give it a try if now after it's been uh, hacked up a bit. Yeah, when it's closer to a beta. Or if you wanted to run it with another system. But, oh, yeah, we'll throw together a Power by the Apocalypse hack. Fuck. Um, but yeah, the, the, the actual... I love the setting. Um, I love the work you did in the NPCs. Um, they were all very interesting. I mean, why wouldn't you? I made them. <laughs> uh, Shadow Realm was interesting. Don't tell me it was good setting. <laughs> the uh, fucking the, Quentin Tarantino fuck. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, the system. I I would be willing to look at it after it's been. Yeah. After it's been acting in, because maybe I'm being a bit unfair after after. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely worth another look when it's in its next kind of big stage. Like this, this was a kind of one of the early iterations. So when we see the next big iteration of it, I think a lot of these problems have been smoothed over. Like they're just logistic issues. Like, literally, one of the biggest problems we had was organization, and that's going to be fixed in the next version, no problem. No, there was a lot of uh, pauses and us, like, going through the rules for, like, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. And yeah. That the, you guys did not hear. Uh, oh, offense. I, I just hate that. Yeah, no, it's, it's a nightmare. But, yeah, uh, I, think it, I think it's good. I like the Velvet Book. I recommend people check it out and get involved in the community, because there's a whole Discord of it. Uh, I was Devin. Nicole. Tyler. Peter. Mark. And this is sponsored by Nobody, signing off.